0: On this show today, Rich and I discuss the 40th anniversary of E.T., the best summer blockbusters of all time, and the perfect cocktail to enjoy while you're watching them. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and you're listening to the June 13th, 2022 edition of Coffee and Koshan. So, Rich, this last weekend marked the 40th anniversary of one of the greatest summer movies of all time, E.T., and uh, that's one that I still enjoy all the time to this day. It's one I was really glad to show my kids uh, for the first time a few years ago. They loved it. Um, That is one of those movies where it is okay as a man to cry at the movie theater, because if you don't cry at the end of E.T., I'm not sure there's there's something wrong with you, because That movie is just so heart-wrenching. Anyway, that is a great example, perhaps the best example, but a great example of a summer movie. And uh, I want to talk today about not only the best summer movies of all time, we each have a list of our top five, but um, also how summer movies came to be. Um, So uh, first, I'm going to start with my top five, and that'll roll us into um, uh, your top five, and then we'll talk about how we sort of, got to the summer movies to begin with. Um, okay, so my number five top summer movie of all time, The Goonies which came out in June of 1985. This is a great this is just a great summer movie. It's a great summer movie because it has uh, kids on an adventure um, there's there's danger, there's excitement um uh there is uh you know them searching for treasure uh this is also a great summer movie because steven spielberg was involved and you'll notice both from my list and yours that there's a lot of steven spielberg on these lists um anyway uh, that is one of my favorites it's one you can still enjoy to this day um it's a great movie to show your kids i love the goonies number four Jaws the movie that started summer movies and we'll come back to that in a little bit came out in 1975 again Steven Spielberg did this one Um, this is this is the epic uh, summer movie this is the movie that summer movie that started it all Um, this is a great film you can sit down and watch this and still be scared of going in the water after you finish it. Uh, That's one of my all-time favorites. Number three came out in 1993. I remember standing outside all day in line to see this, Jurassic Park. This was one of those movies. It's interesting, Jurassic Park is over two hours long, but the time that the dinosaurs are actually on the screen is just about 15 minutes. Um, That was for two reasons. One, it was really hard to do dinosaurs that looked good. Um, And two, one of the things they were premiering in this movie was, were CG dinosaurs. We take CG for, uh, you know, like, like it's, it, everybody can do that. Now, you can do that at home on your computer. You can make computer graphics that look great that you can put in movies and TV. But at the time, when those dinosaurs ran across the screen for the first time in 1993, we had never seen anything like that before. And it was incredible. And uh, it really changed movie making going forward for a long time. Um, number two on my list, I've, I've already mentioned it, E.T., I love this movie. This, honestly, I think is Steven Spielberg at his finest. Uh, we'll get back to this one in a little bit, uh, talk some more about it, but I love E.T. Number one, my all-time favorite summer movie, Star Wars. And uh, I say that not just because I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but if E.T., if uh, Jaws started the summer movie craze, Star Wars really perfected it. And um, it perfected it by taking... The marketing of movies to the next level by taking the hype of movies to the next level. Star Wars, between Star Wars and Jaws, that made modern Hollywood. For all its its good and all its warts all at the same time. Modern Hollywood exists because of Jaws and Star Wars. And um, Star Wars, of course, started... Uh, the trend of having, you know, these this giant movie universe of all of these movies and eventually TV shows all tied into the same universe. You see that now obviously in Marvel and Star Trek and all these other places. Um but that really started with Star with Star Wars and that is something that is just huge. It's just it's become everything in this culture now. Um so Rich, I want to hear it. Your top 5, start with number 5.
1: So it's very difficult for me to rank these. It's almost like a you know, like a three-way tie for second place and then (laughs) two-way for, uh, yeah, my kids for first place. But I chose the John Cusack classic, One Crazy Summer. Great movie. The original Vacation, you know, we're both huge fans of Christmas Vacation, but it started with The Road Trip, uh, which we come back to a lot. I uh, have uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Great movie. I also went with uh, Jurassic Park, which, when we discuss that, I will explain part of my particular uh, affinity for that. And then Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which you know is about school, but it was released in summer. So that is my top five of movies. Although, as, as I mentioned when we were discussing this beforehand, I. I have no quibbles with your list. I love every movie on your list. Also, uh, the the eighties just gave us eighties, uh, early nineties gave us and seventies, seventies, eighties, early nineties. <laughs> I'll get it right eventually. Gave us so much great cinema from that you know the days when theater still reigned supreme.
0: Okay, I want to talk about something that is um, uh, interesting about summer movies. So obviously, I said uh, Jaws really kicked that off. Um, in 1975. Before then, the summer tent pole wasn't what it is today. Jaws really started that. But what's interesting when you look back at both our lists, they heavily feature people like Steven Spielberg, uh, George Lucas. Um, those two guys were uh, early rivals and then became lifelong friends in Hollywood. They were part of a really interesting group of people that came out of Hollywood in the 70s. And if you think about This group I'm going to tell you about, they've changed Hollywood forever. They've remade it in their image. So this group included Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, Brian De Palma, and Martin Scorsese. These guys sat around at each other's houses when they were uh, still young bucks in the film industry and talked about movies, talked about what they were going to make. They each contributed on each other's movies, which is really interesting. Um, if you if you really think about it, Lucas did second unit work on The Godfather. George Lucas did. Steven Spielberg suggested final edits on Taxi Driver. He also is rumored to have directed the final showdown between Anakin and Obi-Wan Kenobi in um, Revenge of the Sith. Um, and all of these guys, uh, Spielberg, Coppola, Scorsese, De Palma, all weighed in on getting Star Wars over the line because Star Wars had a ton of production problems, as all Star Wars movies still do. Um, And it was their efforts to push George Lucas across the line that got that movie done. All of those guys, now if you think of all the movies those guys have made, Taxi Driver, The Godfather, all the Spielberg movies, Star Wars, I mean, these guys have changed Hollywood. They made Hollywood the, the big budget movie place it is today. And it's fascinating to think that all of those guys all sort of started at the same time. But um, this all comes back to Jaws. And Jaws was one of those movies that was very difficult to make. Um, if you read back all the stories about that, um, Steven Spielberg hated doing all of the scenes in the water and there were all these problems with the shark and part of the reason you don't see the shark a lot is because parts of it didn't work most of the time. Um, it ended up being this sort of um, a Hitchcockian thing where you didn't see the villain and for until bits and pieces here. But a lot of that was because the damn thing didn't work. And um, that shark was a real pain in the ass to work with. Um, but it ended up working. That movie was a humongous success and it really kicked off um, everything that came thereafter. Um, but it's interesting to look at what Jaws gave us. And all these things now are common in movies, particularly summer movies. But here we go. The everyman protagonist. That is now, like, commonplace in everything, particularly summer movies. The whole building a team idea that you needed to build this team of people who who might not always get along with each other, who come from different walks of life, that can uh, defeat whatever your monster is. Um, the big set pieces. Jaws goes from big set piece to big set piece. Um, the, the beach scene, uh, you know, the, the boat, uh, sinking the, uh, blowing up the shark, all that sort of stuff that that you go from big set piece to big set piece. Um, it was, it sort of kicked off this idea of having like pithy one liners. Um, and you can think of a million different summer movies that all have that, including like every single Arnold Schwarzenegger movie you've ever seen. Um, and it really introduced the whole world to the genius of John Williams, who is a part of Every good summer movie, I will, I will go down with the ship on that one. If it's a John Williams movie, there's a chance, because that man is the secret sauce to a lot of these things. Um, when you look at Jaws, Rich, what's, what's your favorite part of that movie?
1: You know, you just mentioned pithy one-liners. So you've got Roy Scheider chumming the water, and Jaws appears, and we're going to need a bigger boat. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And, but just everything about it—the way that the tension builds, the uh, the whole quest to pretend this problem doesn't exist—and you've got just you know all these everyman not the protagonist but also the you know guys out trying to catch jaws with their you know wife's christmas roast and or, or easter roast and whatever it was and just this whole huge thing where you're just af- afraid it made you afraid to to like go swimming in the lake or whatever really where did. you lived
0: Yeah the- you didn't even have to be on the Atlantic coast like no. it made you scared to go in the lake Where there are no sharks.
1: (laughs) Well, well, you know, that story that Jaws arose from, it was actually a bull shark that swam up the Mississippi River, I believe. And so that's where the idea came from is you've got this giant shark where it shouldn't be. But, you know, it it works a lot better in terrorizing Amity than it does, you know, rural Mississippi, where they probably would (laughs) have just blown it up
0: um yeah I, I, that's what, one thing i love about that movie is that the way they build tension in that both through uh the way spielberg uh, uh cut it uh the way john williams builds the tension with the music that movie is a study in just tension and fear like it it by the end of that there's no way you're going swimming it's just not happening it doesn't matter who you are you're not getting in the water i uh, i will stand by that um i want i want to come back to et this last weekend was the 40th anniversary of E.T., which makes me feel incredibly, incredibly old. But um, E.T. is another one of those great summer movies. It's perhaps a perfect summer movie um, because it's still, it's, in fact, I think it's even better now than it was when it first came out. Um, and I'm not referring to his edited version that does not belong in this house. Uh, I'm talking about the original version. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the uh, the thing that's great about E.T., um, I love it because I feel like it's almost a study in empathy. And it's something that kids today can really relate to. I mean, if you think about it, it's a story about a divorced family trying to find home, and the aliens trying to find its way home, and Elliot's trying to figure out what home is for him now in this broken home. And it's it's just this story and trying to figure out how you can you can make it in that world. And that's something that resonates perhaps even more so now. Than it did even in 1982, since there are so many broken homes. Um, But I think it just it has so many great elements. Um, One of my favorite things is uh, the scientist who uh, befriends Elliot, who's listed, I believe, only in the um, uh, only in the credits as keys (laughs) because he has that ring of keys that keeps bouncing in, which I think is great. Like you never actually see his face until halfway through the movie. You just see the keys and they make that 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 chinking sound that's just fantastic um but it's it's really interesting to me because uh both in Jaws and in E.T. John Williams does a great job of building the score he sort of gives you little bits of it here gives you little bits of it there but it's not till the crescendo of the movie that you get the whole thing and um he teases you almost and it, it teases along the tension and the emotion throughout the movie, and then it just hits you over uh over the head like a ton of bricks when he really wants it to. He's just a real master here and and both in Jaws and E.T. and and again in Jurassic Park, he does a great job with this as well. He really sort of brings the audience along and keeps them exactly in the palm of his hand where he wants them. I think it's so well done.
1: Well, just a, a note on John Williams real quick and the, he does a great job of a certain level of simplicity in the main yes. themes to these movies where it's one of those things that kids picking up a, a keyboard, like a, even a toy keyboard or, or, you know, at the, you know, choir room, the choir practice room at church, you know, playing the jaws theme back when we were kids. And it's so it, it it's not overly complicated. It's something that works really well and upon which he can build, but it's that simplicity that everyone can relate to. You don't have to be a music aficionado or, or, you know, have studied theory or anything, even though he's a genius, he's able to present work. That's very digestible. And backing up to what you said about ET, you know, I remember being a young man in the theater and, you know, crying at the end and it really is a happy end ending in a way because et does get to go home but you're also looking at this you know he and elliot had formed this new home and now it's getting broken up for et to be able to go back home through elliot's sacrifice and everything that he did to help and it's one that my kids also love uh it's timeless there's nothing about it other than the dress or, you know, maybe the uh, approach to Halloween costumes or whatever that's really dated. It's just a perfectly timeless story of that, that transcends generations and can bring people in their home, however their home looks, together around the movie.
0: Actually, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, what's interesting about about this is that it also happens to be my favorite Halloween movie. So I'm sure we'll revisit this at one point at Halloween um, because of that scene where they go trick or treating. Um, What's great. I I mentioned earlier that Lucas and Spielberg are friends. Um, There are plenty of nods to star Wars in ET. When he goes trick or treating, uh, he ET is dressed up as the ghost so they can get him out the door. And, um, Uh, He sees someone walking around in a Yoda costume and he like starts like (laughs) waddling toward him. (laughs) Um, George Lucas returned the favor by having E.T. in Phantom Menace years later, another uh, uh, summer movie. And uh, what's funny is that that sort of like retroactively made uh, E.T. a Star Wars movie And uh, because E.T. is making things levitate, it sort of questions calls into question, like, was E.T. a Jedi? Did he get lost? Like, I mean, you could go down a rabbit hole in that, and believe me, there are people on the internet who do. Um, But the one thing that I think is really great about this movie is, I mean, it's 40 years old, but you watch it, and it totally, incredibly holds up. There's nothing about it that says this movie is 40 years old. Everything about it, the themes, the music... Um, the stuff that kids are playing with, all of that stuff still holds up today. It doesn't seem like an old movie. And and there are so many ways you can identify with it as a kid and then again as an adult. That's what's so great about these movies is that as you grow, the movie grows with you. You find a way to enjoy these movies um, on another level. And that's what's so great about summer movies in general. I mean, you mentioned um, Ferris Bueller. That was a great movie that, you know, you identify with as a kid. You're like, yeah, man, you got away from school and you got to do all this and that. And and then as an adult, you see it on a whole separate level. And I think that's really great. Um, it's summer movies like that, um, the, the way they can uh, talk to everyone in the family, everyone who's sitting in the theater is really fascinating. To, to pull this back to E.T., we think today of summer movies of being like these big Marvel epics, right? And uh, something like Endgame was such a huge movie, made so much money, etc. But when E.T. was in the theaters, one out of every two people in America saw that movie. Now think about that for a minute. One that's out of every two people in America saw that movie. I mean...
1: So that's that's incredible. I had no idea about yeah,
0: that, but... That's incredible. Like half the country saw E.T. Now... For, for instance, th- that did not happen. <laughs> that did not happen um, in Endgame. And Endgame was like this big cultural thing. So think today, if there was a movie that came out and half of America saw it, it would be the only thing everyone was talking about. Now, when we're done recording this, I'm going to go see Top Gun. I'm the last person in my office who has seen it. I'm the last person in my family to see it. I know you've seen it. We're going to talk about it on a future show. But... That seems to be the movie that everyone's talking about right now, right? It's this, It's the first big summer blockbuster that's come out post-COVID. Everyone's sort of getting back in the swing of going to the theater. And that's the thing that summer movies can do. They can bring everybody together. We have never been more uh, apart, more uh, um, uh, more in, in different places in this country than we are right now, it seems. But everyone loves sitting down in a cold theater on a hot summer day with a Coke and some popcorn and watching a great movie. And that's what all these films do.
1: Yes. And not to go too far into a Maverick, but I just saw it uh, yesterday and we had trouble finding matinee tickets Uh, we were buying a couple of hours ahead of time and we ended up shopping the whole geographic area we live in to get seats that were not on the front row because that many people are still going to see Maverick as of this weekend. So I'm interested to see what its numbers are going to do, but that has nothing to do with, well, it has some to do with what we're talking about now, but. Again, I'm not going to spoil this for you other than to say you're going to love it.
0: Well, now, what's interesting is that I remember the first Top Gun. I, I went to the first Top Gun opening week, and I'm sure you, you saw that when you were a kid as well. And it was one of those movies that I was just so engrossed in. I mean, I just I, I wanted to be a pilot. Of course, I have terrible eyesight and a whole lot of other issues, so I didn't become a pilot. But um, I, wanted, I came out of that movie wanting to be a pilot and wanting to, you know, uh, fly an F-14, which, of course, now are retired because <laughs> they're old. But um That was just, it was a great summer movie that got everybody excited. Movies like that that have some adventure. The other one you mentioned that I really love is Raiders. That's a great example of a great summer movie. It's obviously the teaming up of Lucas and Spielberg. There's so much to those Indiana Jones movies that are just so much fun. Um, I remember when Last Crusade came out. Um, we went and all saw that as a family, and like that was one of the last few movies we, we really all sort of uh, uh, saw as a family when I was a kid. I mean, that that's a great movie that everyone can see and everyone can enjoy. Um, but uh, it's interesting that this is also a summer. We, we're talking about Maverick. Um, there's a Jurassic Park movie that's coming out in a few weeks, and it is supposedly the last Jurassic Park movie, although they've said that before and they keep making more of them, so... Um, I don't know, but this one hasn't gotten quite the good reviews that uh, the original did. Um, and the thing is, like that movie, that Jurassic Park is just it's one of those movies that I was so excited to see that when the when the house lights go down and and everybody sort of starts you know starts to get quiet and that music first starts, of course, John Williams, um like he just immediately hooks you <laughs> and you're on like a ride for that whole movie. And it's funny that they turn a lot of these summer movies into, into adventure rides at, at amusement parks because it's easy to do. Cause when you're sitting in that theater seat, you feel like you're on a ride.
1: Yes. So my Jurassic park story, I was uh, at the time attending a program known as Arkansas governor's school, which is a six weeks six week long immersive program where you go live on a college campus and study one area. Um, I was there for creative writing, but they had math music, all these things. And this was before the, the internet, but we were even more isolated because we were just there and there weren't really visitors allowed. Uh, There wasn't, you couldn't just watch TV or anything. They showed us movies like blade runner and stuff. So that was cool, but it was a very, cloistered program, but one of the weekends where we could leave, uh, one of my buddies there, his mom came and picked us up and took us to see Jurassic Park, the original, and so we've been in this whole thing, and it's all serious and scholarship, and to go and have that experience you're talking about, where you and just off for the ride with the velociraptors, and just such a fantastic movie, and I enjoy the entire franchise. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, uh, Dominion, I believe it is, the the latest installation. But something that I don't think people realize about Jurassic Park is Jurassic Park. The book by Michael Crichton is fantastic source material. And it's something I would recommend everyone read. Just it's It's an incredibly thoughtful book, and we get a lot of it with Dr. Ian Malcolm in the movie. Uh, We get a lot of that uh, philosophy coming out, but it's it's a deeply thoughtful work, and it's not just, hey, let's go show some CGI dinosaurs. There's this, you know, the moral questions beyond being a blockbuster, beyond being this big action movie it's a very deep movie also. And I think that's something that sometimes gets lost in the discussion around it is every aspect of Jurassic Park was just brilliant.
0: That's a good point. And and actually Jaws was based on a book, a very popular book that they turned into the movie. Um, And uh, another one of my favorite movies uh, that I watched just recently, a hunt for red October based on a book. The book is actually really good. If you haven't read, um, the Hunt for October book you totally should. That's a great summer read. maybe we should do that maybe we should do a show summer books to read on the beach we'll do that on asy look there we go making future shows right here uh, on air. Um, <laughs> but that's a great one to just sort of sit and enjoy when you're when you're at the beach with your family or whatever. Um, but you're right the Jurassic park book very very good. Um, okay so let's let's go out on this uh, you have made a cocktail. Uh, for us to enjoy while we're watching all these summer movies coming up? What is it?
1: So I've done a, a, a variation of this very recently, but I was looking at 80s cocktails uh, ahead of this show, and the 80s were the time of glow, you know, Blue Curacao and Bartles and James wine coolers, and I don't have <laughs> any of those ingredients around. But I do have, I recently got a bottle of gin. There's actually a distiller, like a, maybe a mile from my house that makes vodka gin and bourbon. And they make kind of an interesting, uh, gin that's all done with, uh, all the, the flavoring is from Uh, herbs and botanicals that are native to Arkansas and it's still just gin but it's just got a little bit different profile to it and I remember in the 80s one of my buddy's dads was very fond of Tom Collins and so when I was with this buddy we would make virgin Tom Collins with just the club soda and you know back in the day we're talking about like you know master of mixers sour mix or Collins mix (laughs) And I, uh, I instead made the real thing, which is a very sippable, it's not an overly strong summer cock or cocktail. So it's a good one for some time when you might be out in the heat when it affects you a little more. So a Tom Collins is ounce and a half of gin, like a teaspoon of simple syrup, Uh, about an ounce of fresh lime, of lemon juice, fresh lemon juice. Uh, Again, always use fresh. You're going to shake that up, put it in a, uh, in a, a a glass, a cocktail, a Collins glass, a tall glass and uh, with fresh ice and then top it off with club soda. And it's, it's simple. It's refreshing. It, Harkens back to a different time when everyone was not obsessed with bourbon as they are now. And it's just like I said, it's it's a very sippable cocktail. So because of the the limit, it's mostly not booze because of the lemon juice and the club soda. It's one that's not too strong. So if you're sitting through one of these two hour movies, you're going to be able to, you know, have a couple and, you know, get up and at the end of it and still be able to function.
0: You know, it's interesting. I, I love a Tom Collins. It seems to be my um, uh, my default uh, summer beverage. Uh, I don't drink a lot of margaritas at home, um, but I do always have gin in my house. And so when it's a hot day and I just want a quick, nice cocktail, I make a Tom Collins all the damn time. Um, I mean, that's that's just a perfect one. That's a great summer drink.
1: Yes, it is, and it—it's one that I think people have kind of forgotten about. But you know, it's time for to, to branch out. There, there's more to life than you know, just grabbing your your bottle and and a in a large ice cube or whatever. It, don't don't be afraid to make some of these classic cocktails, but make them right. And it's just such a world of difference than what we grew up with in the age of you know bottled mixers.
0: That's right. You don't need to use a a mixer out of a bottle. Use it. Use it fresh. Um, All right, Rich, thanks so much. Appreciate
1: it. Have fun as always, Brad.